show. Celebrities. To be honest, I don't like male strippers. Pop culture. And comedy. That's what I'm trying to do is streamline this whole thing into a cult. Plus, 10 things you should know with Yo. The Michael Yo Show starts now. 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 Michael Yo, welcome to the Michael Yo podcast. Subscribe, rate, and leave a comment, especially on iTunes. I need all that five star love. And remember, every interview interview we do is live on Facebook, and then we put it on YouTube later. So you can always be in the action on my uh, on my Facebook page. Just hit the alert. Uh, in live inside the studio today, I've known the group and this guy uh, fifteen. 15, more than 15 years, more than 15 probably. Years. More than 15 years. My boy Eric from O-Town is What's in the up? building. What's, What's up, up, my dude? What's up? Okay. There's so much I want to talk to you about. Well, we got a lot of time. Okay. So, O-Town broke big when? How long ago? So far back, I don't remember. No. Was 1999 was, the, 1990? Was, when, was when we got together. But the show aired in 2000. And that show catapulted y'all to fame. Making the band, yeah. Making the band. Yes. And... You came out, how long after that did y'all come out with, what was the first hit single? The first hit single was Liquid Dreams. Okay. Um, yeah, that was on J Records with Clive Davis. And he signed us when no one else believed in us. Now, when you say he signed you when no one else believed mm-hmm. in you, did y'all meet with other record companies? Oh, yeah. Everybody. Everybody. And everybody just like, nah, nah, nah. Nah. Now, who was big at the, let's paint the picture, 1999. Yeah. Who was big at that time that was in your... Well, it was the pop. It was the era of pop, right? So yeah. you had you know acts like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC that were out with Britney Spears. Um, we happened to be managed by Lou Pearlman, who managed both Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Now, when he picked y'all up, did NSYNC and Backstreet Boys go, yo, what's the deal with this? Yeah, I think every one of us has a story of how they felt about the band that came after them. Right. So Backstreet came out and then Insync kind of came in when they were really busy in Europe and kind of made a presence in America just when Backstreet made just after Backstreet made a presence. And then we kind of came out coming off of a show. And I think a lot of their thoughts at the time was like, this is not how we came together. Not like they did. So kind of like you're cheating the system. Oh, yeah. We definitely were the hack for sure. Okay. All right. All right. So did they did they ever voice that to you? Those groups? Um, yeah. There was like they did. I mean, we voiced it now, definitely, because like we've we're all friends now, so like we all have had moments to sort of you know. Okay, but back in the day, did back in the did, day there was it, cold shoulders and and for us it was a little bit different because we just wanted to be accepted at the time. We're like we felt like the younger brother kind of. You know, we came in late. You know, we. They had so much success, you know, they were like, it's like trying to like, it's like Peyton Manning and Eli Manning's younger, youngest brother, like trying to like play football. It's and like, at that time, I mean, they were selling like 2 million albums a week. It each was other. It was bananas. I at think they time. created the term diamond from, from like them. Cause every, every 10 million you sell, you go diamond. I think it was, it started with that. So now did both groups give y'all the cold shoulder or just like specific people did? No, there was just moments. There was just <laughs> moments, you know, and, and can you say a moment? Um, you don't have to say who. There, just- was a, there was a moment. There was a moment when we were on stage at an awards show, and In Sync was on stage right before we were, and we ended up passing by one another, and there was like some sort of like weird exchange between Jacob and Chris Kirkpatrick, and that sort of was enough for there to be like a little bit of like a thing, a feud, which was interesting because like I lived 
like the group actually lived three houses down from Chris Kirkpatrick in <laughs> Orlando, Florida. <laughs> yeah. So there was, when we were off, like we would be throwing parties simultaneously and people would be going back and forth from like. So now was this competitive parties? Was that on purpose? I like, think at, at, a, at a point then there was like a sort of like, we want to like have a, just as good a party or, you know. So, so who threw the better party? O-Town or NSYNC? I think, I think, no, Chris Kirkpatrick definitely throws the, <laughs> he used to throw the best parties for sure. Like no doubt about it. Okay. So now you guys blow up in about 2000, 2001. Yeah. Uh, when does, uh, all what is it? Cause I want it all or nothing. That when did that song come out? Cause to me that was the one that, that was the one that was the one. I mean that's the one I met you. That's when we met. That's right. right. When you were Austin, Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Oh my god. And that's really the song that we were promoting. I think at that time, which was which is all or nothing. And that you know we we said we've told this story before. Those are the two songs that Clive played for us when we walked into his office. He was starting this new label. He wanted us to have like these hits, Liquid Dreams and All or Nothing. And we were like, all right, we'll take Liquid Dreams if we can have All or Nothing because we just knew that that was a smash. And as soon as you heard it, you knew it was. A smash. Oh yeah, yeah. We were like, we get to sing this song. This is incredible. And when it came out, explain to the people because. Like, I knew you guys at that time. Yeah. How big, like, if, are you happy Instagram wasn't, social media wasn't big at that time so y'all could get away with a lot more stuff? Or do you wish you had all those, because y'all would have been in 100 million followers or 80, 50 million, because you were one of the biggest groups in the world at that time. Yeah, I think also the show was really big. Yeah. You know, the show was on primetime. It was on ABC. It was Friday nights. You know, they showed marathons of it on MTV. So people were just flooded with making the band. And they got a chance to really connect with us as people. And I think that's where the connection for O-Town lies with the fans. It's far deeper than just, like, how many hits we've had. Uh-huh. It's really about the television show and them watching us get together and form. And, and we were supposed to lose, right? Like So, like, you put five strangers in a room... They're not supposed to end up being successful. I think that was sort of the turning point when we got signed by Clive. They brought back the second and third season. They were like, well, these guys have a little bit more to offer than we thought. And what did Clive see you think that other record companies that said no, 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 no saw? And how long after, and this is a double part, how long after did everybody else say no that Clive picked y'all up? Um, well, everyone said no. We went we went and like rehearsed for like two months straight after. Um, and the show had been airing at this point. Um, and obviously I think that had a lot to do with us, like becoming a lot more of like a, a commodity because we mm-hmm. had a television show, but still no one really wanted to take the risk. Cause still, it was still like a, a crapshoot if we would be good or not. So you walked into these record labels and y'all would do the whole song and dance, like oh, literally yeah. perform right in front of them. Oh yeah. Lou Perlman in there, like hyping us up, trying to get everyone to like buy, but they didn't, they didn't bite. They were like, we have, in sync, we have Backstreet Boys, we have 98 Degrees, we don't need another one. And, you know, who knows if these guys are going to be anything. Like, you know, they, they just really weren't ready to roll the dice on us. Okay. And then, uh, and then finally Lou, wait, who's Lou Perlman said yes. No, Clive Davis. Clive Davis, Clive Davis said, said yes. And then we, we decided, all right, we're going to. How was it performing in front of Clive? He's a, he's legendary. Yeah, well, Clive was there. Uh, Simon Cowell was there. No way. Yeah, Simon Cowell was there. Did he say something mean after y'all performed? No, actually, he was really he was really complimentary. And and you know, Clive used to use him a lot for for A and R reference and A and R. And he was managing like a bunch of acts at the time um, in the UK. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it was at his house in White Plains. Not very many people get to go to that house. Clive Davis's house. Yeah, yeah. It was really like this sort of. 
oh, I don't know, like Pan's Labyrinth sort of like in the woods sort of thing. And it felt like very enchanted when we were like, you know, so eager to, to like sign this first deal. And we went in there, sang for him, and he was like, we're going to have a great time working together. Did he Did he pick y'all up right there? He let us know that he wanted us right there. He's like, well, we're going to have a great time working together or to something of that degree. How'd y'all keep it? Did y'all keep it together in the room or, <laughs> or did y'all lose it when he said that? I was already losing it. Already, <laughs> I'm always losing it though. Like, I mean, these, this, this is, I, I get, I guess some of the other guys weren't necessarily like really, I don't know if they understood the scope of like what was happening at the time. I definitely knew it was that. Like I was aware that. Well, you were, can we, can we say this and be honest? You were more of the business guy. Well, of I was, the group, right? I was you, definitely way more of the music uh, you had industry more person. Like I love the industry and, and Trevor's really knowledgeable of like songs and stuff, but like within the industry and like the workings, I'm just naturally like into that world. I you guess. knew how big it, I knew how deal. big it was. And the yeah. other people were like, wow, we're just performing. Hopefully. Well, well, it's Clive Davis and we know that he's this, but I, I felt like at the time, it, it, he was starting this new label and he wanted us to be like this act that sort of like you know lets everybody know that he's the real deal and I felt like with us and Alicia Keys and Luther Vandross this is who he was signing at the time so you got signed with Alicia Keys and Luther Vandross yeah we were the first we were the first three acts and, and, did, and, y'all, and did y'all perform at his Grammy party uh, we never performed at his Grammy party, but we definitely performed with Alicia Keys yeah, okay. in various places. Because the first time I saw Alicia Keys was at his party. Right, yes, yes. I was there. I was there at that party. We weren't ready then. Oh, you weren't <laughs> <laughs> Because the first thing you heard was Fallen. Like, yes. literally, they roll out a piano, and a Alicia Keys does Fallen, and it was over. It was a wrap. It was done. She was the biggest. She was so impactful. She was so impactful, and she's such a genuine person. Um, you know, it just, it was great. It, that whole instance of getting signed at that moment with them, that was, like, probably, like, the best industry memories I have. Because I remember one time we were warming up before we were going to perform, and we were just sitting there warming up, doing our thing. And all of a sudden, I, I get, like, a nudge to move over and in the, in the warm-up circle. And I look and turn, and it's Luther Vandross, like, starting to warm up with us, doing our warm-ups with us. And I was just like, this is Luther Vandross. You're like, this is not real. How is this happening right now? Like, this is real. We were, again, you know, nine months removed. We were, or ten months removed. We were just not in the industry, not getting prepped to be in the industry. We were normal people, going to college, just getting out of high school, and... Now all of a sudden we're singing. Did you, you ever feel like since you had a lot of music knowledge, it was going too fast? No, gosh, it was going too fast. I mean, it was going fast, man. Uh-huh. It was the fastest thing ever. Like, but did you feel like it was like when you're yeah. in it? Did you go wait? We yeah. Are we ready for this? Yeah, because people around us were letting us know. <laughs> <laughs> this is this shit's going too fast for y'all. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> Just did it me. ever like within the group? Did it ever like get complicated? Yeah, because it went I, so fast. Yeah. Absolutely. Did everybody think they were the star, the main star? Everyone, was that the problem? There were egos, yeah, for sure. There were egos. Yours truly, you know, included. I mean, we we were young men, you know. We're, you know, you're in a position where you're vying for position, you know, and everyone wants to sing, and everyone can sing for the most part. Everyone so, can sing really well. actually, speaking about that, how's it work? You you get a song, yeah, and now it's. Clive Davis's job to decide who sings what part or how, I mean, how do y'all decide? Because if it was up to each one of y'all, y'all all would want to sing all the best parts. So who says, okay, you're going to sing this. You're going to sing this. You're going to sing that. Because I know as five young men all have egos at the time. Yeah. Y'all couldn't decide that. No, it's still hard to decide that. 
kidding me? It was like so still the hardest, one of the hardest things to do. Who decides? It's back then. Back then, it was you know, it lands on the producer. Okay. But the producers obviously getting fed stuff from the label of things that they want in terms of marketing. So obviously that was a part of it. Um, and they needed to get to know the band. And when they started to get to know the band, there was preferences on who, you know, the label wanted to sing what. And the producers would, you know, make their choices, uh, even according to that knowledge. And, and But again, like for us as a group, we end up like basically holding each other to the same rule, which is like we all sing the song all the way down and like whatever we sound, whoever sounds the best on whatever part gets that part. That's today. Or was that back then? That was back then. We didn't make the final call, but we wanted to give everyone a shot. Well, that's nice. Group dynamic, man. It's the group dynamic. Did you ever think you sounded better than somebody else in the group, but you didn't get the part? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does that still happen today? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So do your arm wrestle for? It? I mean, what do y'all do? Because now you don't have a label like that no. kind of over. So how do y'all sell? Do we y'all- have hard conversations. Hard conversations. <laughs> they're never easy. You know, a lot of times people sing it and they're on the part, and then we hear the song, and then everyone like chimes in like on the back text, like, okay, we got to change this or we got to change that. Or on the maybe- back text, what's yeah. the back text? And then we bring it to the group, and then it's like, okay, listen, this wait, is what wait, we think. what's the back text? The back, you know, like I'm gonna we have the group text, and then you have the text of the guy, like, okay, what do you think about this part? Okay, kind you, of- the person that was really singing. Yeah, so basically, like, let's say it was a okay. Damn we're part. in a group. Yep. I sang the lead. Yes. I got the part. Yes. I sang it. Mm-hmm. So you would text me personally, going, Do "No, you- I would text the other guys in the group, like, how are you feeling about this part?'" You wouldn't text me though. Not well. Yes, we would talk about it, obviously, okay. but I have to like discuss see if it's even something we want to bring up. You know, like okay, so we're all texting the whole group, and then it. we go in back into the group text and say, "Okay, like here, this is what we feel. This is what I feel." Like sometimes it doesn't. The back text doesn't even happen. Sometimes okay. it's just like Dan is very good at just like sort of like. You know, telling it how it is. I sort of have feelings that I sort of keep in mind of like all the other guys in the group. So I'm always like, okay, should I say something? No, you're too blunt. Is that what it is? He's blunt. I'm not. I'm not as blunt all the time. I can be, but like not all the time when I know it's going to hurt people's feelings. Okay. And what? How's Trevor? Trevor. Trevor. Trevor is. Is he? Is Trevor's the easiest person to work with? To be honest, he's like the easiest person to work with. He's just entirely. He's so enthusiastic, and he wants to. He just wants it to sound good. And we've found ways to sort of, now that we've been a band for so long, we've found ways, we know each other's strengths and weaknesses better than ourselves, essentially. So we've been able to carve out moments for each of the band members to sort of feature what what is their really, their strength. So you break in 2000, 2001. How old are y'all? 20, 19, 20, 18, 19, 20. And when did it take off where you were traveling the world touring? How long uh, after two thousand end of two thousand and one into two thousand and two two thousand? How was that? I mean, that was great. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, because the television show was global, so with the television show being global, it gave us an opportunity even before we were even good as a group to sort of travel the world, promote the show, promote whatever music we had, um, and that was enlightening. And 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 to be honest, till this day, we're we just scheduled. I think uh, two shows in Asia for November. They were going to go into the Philippines, Singapore. And, um, and that's because of, you know, that initial push, you know, from that time. Is it weird for you, like all these years forward and you guys are still touring, still doing it? Because I knew when you guys got back together, it was kind of like, do we want to do it? Do we not want to do it? But now it seems like everybody's getting back together. And my, my point of view is why not get paid for something you've already established? Yeah, we built it. You built it. So why not get paid off of it? 
Well, especially now where it's ours, you know, and uh, at the, initially, to be honest with you, we we thought we were just going to do summer shows in the UK. And it was really the, the U.S. responding to us getting back together that allowed us to say, hold on a second, maybe this is not just like a summer tour thing. Maybe this is something that we can do with the nostalgia that's about to come. Maybe we can actually make, make this something we could do yearly. Um, and that went from, you know, a thought to like an album and then from the album to a bigger tour and that tour led to this album, which we, we just released. And, and what's the album called that you just released? The, o, the, o, the OTWN album. Okay. Yes, the OTWN album. All right, all right. Yes. And, and what's the vibe on this album now? It, t- it You know, we took our time with this. You know, we wanted to take our time. You know, I think we've always been sort of shoved into circumstances. And this is crowdfunded. We, we raised the money on Kickstarter. We raised the money in seven hours. Uh, double that money by the end of the month. And we knew that we were going we to make a, an, an album that we wanted to be proud of. Were uh, you nervous that nobody would donate when you... Oh, yeah. Because that must be such a weird thing as a celebrity asking for money Mm -hmm. and then seeing how relevant you really are if they don't (laughs) respond. Well, our our logic was pretty simple. Uh, Like we had the money to make an album. mm -hmm. But like why would we spend our money on making an album if the if the fans didn't really care? So we felt like putting it in their hands to let us know if this is something that we should do or not. And they kind of made the choice for us. You know, we didn't uh, we were willing to do it if they were willing to Were you hesitant to do it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, hesitant if they didn't want it yeah okay <laughs> you know but the I mean, way it worked out is yeah, great we had just come off a huge tour with the my 2k tour with 98 degrees we were at 40 cities with you know huge crowds and at that point we had just been performing for like 100 200 seat venues just sort of doing like you know small tour and uh just ha- being exposed at that level really like it brought us back into into the fold. how was it God, this because this this is so layered. Your career is so there's so many layers. How long were y'all hot from 2001 to what? Before? 2004, and then it started. And then y'all, that was the second album came out. 2000, 2002, 2003 was sort of the beginning of okay. Of the end. The world has had enough with American boy bands. We need Chris Brown. We need Rihanna. We need and that started to come and in. Then that's when that era. Started. How did you take it that? I was pissed. Yeah, because no, really, you only got to enjoy it for two and a half, three years. To be honest with you, I wasn't pissed. Okay. Um, I actually was uh, sort of relieved, in a sense. Was we it too been, much? We had been working so much. You know, we had been traveling so much. It was exhausting. Um, we had op- we had an obligation to the, to the television show. We had an obligation to our touring. We had an obligation to Clive Davis and making albums. And uh, at the time, it was just, it, it was nonstop from the moment we got chosen which was in 99 and it was nonstop. And you were so touring since you the started. Entire yeah. time, uh-huh. The entire time. The entire time. And we only had like 10, I think 10 to 20 days off each year for you know those, those years. So we wanted to take the time. And I had an agent and a manager, high-powered agent and manager here in LA that was like, you know, you have acting chops. You can be, you know, a, real, a leading Hispanic actor. Like we, there's roles for you and you should come out here and try that. And so that's, essentially what I did I was like all right I'm gonna like take this opportunity to go and like pursue another passion of mine which is acting how do they let you know that it's it's a wrap like O-Town is done or do you management has the tough talk with you okay so the management company says record label's not gonna pick you up how's that work yeah yeah you're you know Clive drops you Clive (sighs) dropped you it was heartbreaking heartbreaking where were y'all and did you know it was coming we knew it was coming because the album sells 
album sales. We had to let go of the television show. The television show was doing poorly in ratings. They learned the format, right? So, like, you know, making the band was really successful because you didn't know who was going to make the band. So you had this competitive aspect and people can, wanted to tune in, just like American Idol, you know? Just like, you know, all the great, you know, talent shows. Yeah. You, there has to be losers, you know, and there's going to be a winner, you know? Um, so that was what making the band was before American Idol, before all of those shows came, it was the first of its kind. They learned that that was the format following a band while they're already successful. It's not fun. It's really not as fun, you know? Um, and it's not as interesting because these guys aren't fighting and these guys aren't a wreck. These guys kind of like respect each other and they're like really hard workers. And- or, or was that just in front of the cameras? Because- no, we really were. Okay. Like, well, that's the thing about us. Like we are a really competitive bunch and we always lived in the shadow of like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. So like we knew that working our ass off was the only way to sort of get ourselves, get ourselves anywhere. You guys were like the Mandy Moore at the time. It was Britney. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, Christina. Were. Yeah. Man. Man, I wish I would have ended up on This Is Us now. <laughs> right? Jeez. You still got time. Yeah. Dude, you never know. No, you never, never know. know. So when it started to go down, you, you came out here for acting. Yeah. Uh, when, when did you realize, oh, no, like everything's changed now? I used to sell out stadiums now because I had an honest conversation with Trevor like on my radio show. You know, Trevor was working in restaurants like, yeah. and people would come up to him going, dude. You were on one of the biggest groups in the world. Now you're serving me steak. You know, I, what was that moment for you where it's like, dude, like, I, what are we going to do now? What am I going to do now? There were plenty of those moments. Yeah, those they were the dark times. Yeah. But I, I had this conversation yesterday. Like, if it wasn't for those dark times, I, I wouldn't. This wouldn't have happened. What's happening now wouldn't have happened. Everything that's going on in my other businesses wouldn't have happened. Like it was essential in order to break down the ego so that you can find your true self. I, I believe Do the dark times for you stripped down the ego. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Beat it up. Kicked what, it out the back. What door. was the darkest time? Uh, probably 2000, 2000, end of 2007 to 2010 kind of those three years were yeah. just like what am i doing what's going on i was going to be a solo i was doing acting but then i got back into the studio to do a solo project didn't get picked up there's all this sort of like ups and downs and trying to figure it out and la's such a massive beast like you think you're going to come out here and conquer it even with notoriety you'd be sadly mistaken yeah you know and i was getting rejected i was i was screen testing for plenty of projects it's just when it got to the choice it was like are we going to cast a guy from o-town or are we going to cast it's so that hurt actor? you oh yeah it got me into the room one one casting director pulled me aside at one of these premieres and she said she was like you know it gets you into the room but it doesn't get it doesn't steal the deal for you it actually some can it can hurt you it works against you and i was like all right maybe i should just take a maybe i should just take a, a sabbatical from acting and get back into like what built me to get to this point which is songwriting and being an actor. does it make you happier the what? music side or the oh yeah i mean i, I music is uh is music is how is a part of my acting yeah so like the way i the way i even retain like my my lines and and and, mem- and memorize them is through mnemonic devices that mm-hmm. i that music taught me what what's the craziest experience for you on the road when y'all were big like I that you can say that you want to put out there because I'm sure you had people sneaking into the hotel room, sneaking oh, yeah. onto the bus. Like, is there something just so outrageous that just even blew you away? 
Yeah, there were plenty of them. There were plenty of them. I mean, I, like I said, like those moments, just like standing next to Luther Vandross, you know, meeting Stevie Wonder, you know, uh, I think. I'm talking about salacious, Eric. Yeah, salacious. Yeah, I'm talking about like some yeah. good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we weren't the salacious types. No, right? y'all really weren't. We really weren't. Like we didn't have that gene in us. Like we were, if we felt like we were playing catch up the entire time. So it wasn't like we were really because like, you had two groups ahead of you. Yeah, so it's it always we didn't have a lot of time to just like just have a lot of debauchery. Like it just wasn't in the cards. Plus, like Dan was not about to have that. Like Dan is like, was he like the mother of the group? Yeah, <laughs> he's the daddy of the group. I mean, yeah. Jacob just became a daddy too. But like Dan yeah. is definitely he's the daddy of the group. The daddy of the group. We needed that energy. It was all business for him. Yeah, yeah. He wanted. He just. He's all business. He's all. He's always like that. He's always like that. But we needed that. I, I remember y'all coming out Austin. I would take y'all out, and then we would go to show. And literally, it was we had fun, mm-hmm. but it didn't get crazy. No. And then we would go to the show. Yeah. And then literally that next morning, y'all gone. Yeah, we were so boringly dedicated to like being like to doing what we did. <laughs> like we were just we just wanted to to be to, to be respected by our peers. I think essentially, which is like what happens, right? So you get into this your your novelty, you know, and you're fine being novelty until you're like thrown into the into the fray with like all these reputable peers who are yeah. like, Oh my gosh, you, then you want are, the respect you guys are geniuses. And now I'm like in the pool with you and I want your respect. I want to like, feel like I'm a part of this, not just sucking from it. I'm contributing. So when you become super successful and you go back home, yeah, all the people that dissed you in the past, are they, uh, how, how the friends change? Like how, how is it? Do friends change? Do like girls that dissed you in the past are like, Hey, what's up? You no, remember to, me? To be honest with you, I had some really good friends. Um, I moved to Florida midway through high school, and I had really great friends in Florida that really supported me, like really did. Like they they felt like I was going to be this person the entire time that they knew me. That's great. Which which was like you know, not many people can say that. I didn't have a lot of people saying don't follow your dreams, and I could. That, that's that's just me. I just didn't have that. I kind of always felt like I was going to in some way somehow fall into this world. I didn't know it was going to be that way. And since you have a new album out, you guys are touring. You're going to go on tour again, I would assume. You're putting yeah. together. You're still touring. You've been touring. Been touring. with The Pop 2000 tour. How? Like, because I remember when you said you were doing like 100 seat venues, 200 seat. And then it got really big when yeah. y'all did this uh, other tour. Right. Is that the same excitement for you getting in front of 100, 200 people as a huge crowd? Getting in front of 100 to 200 people after you've been gone for 10 years is ex- exhilarating. You must have appreciated that so much. Every win this time is like every small win, man. Like that's the beautiful thing about You're it. You're appreciating that It's now. on a whole nother level. Like before we were thrown into stuff, we didn't appreciate the, the grandeur and the mo- the magnitude of these things that we were doing. We, 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 you know, we hosted the ball dropping in New Year's Eve, you know, in, on, in MTV in Times Square with like all of the MTV counterparts. Like we were, it was a little, we were jaded at the time, you know, it, it just came at us fast, you know, and we hadn't prepared for that, you know, um, but now. Well, you couldn't have. There's no way. Yeah. You know? But now having been displaced coming back and building it, resuscitating it from death, the Lazarus effect. No, it was done. For us to have come back and revamped it and then on the on the way these last five years figure ourselves out and what we are now, you know, minus a member, you know, going out as a foursome with new records and new albums, new songs that these people, it might not be the masses who have connected to it like all or nothing, but our fans have definitely connected to the new music. You know, them singing it back to us, our words and our experiences and having that exchange. 
Yeah, that's a whole nother legacy or euphoric thing. I, 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 I could never imagine being on that level, losing it all, and then start trying to build it back. But I do know that when you're successful at something, that when anybody shows up, they're there for you. You know they're not there about the hype. They're actually there for you, and that would mean even more to you. I mean, you experience it. Like, oh, you yeah. Do, you do stand-up. Yeah. I mean, there's, there was probably times where you had, like, your core six people who came to every show. 100%. Who love you, and they still show up to your shows, but now you have, like, an extra few hundred people that yeah. see you. And, I mean, that's a great feeling because, you know, those are your ride or dies. Absolutely. And... Literally, when a fan comes up to me, my stand-up show, I saw you last year when you were here. I saw you the year before. I saw you when you first started. You're mm-hmm. like, man, mm-hmm. those little things, because you know, right now in stand-up, you can't start on your level you did with O-Town. But what's fun is watching the journey. And now you actually, you guys get to actually watch that journey. Yeah. Where before it was already, journey, here, go. Right. You know? It's like that weird, we have that weird, um, that weird like blessing that like, tell yourself all the time like i wish i knew what i knew now back then yeah we do you know we have that opportunity to re to rewrite this narrative you know our our way and that's what we're doing with the and it takes a village you know it's not just me it's not just jacob it's not dan it's all of us together collectively with the people that we've now hired to bring on that we we were really tight-knit crew we're really tight-knit operation but and and we're really lean but we we figured out our algorithm and together we've been able to make the best of it. And we're and it's expanding. Like it's it really truly is at this point in our career expanding even more. Do you feel because I mean we're all older. Yeah. In two thousand one. Yeah. Well, I mean we're we're eighteen, nineteen years older. Yeah. Do you feel like gray hairs. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like oh, we're too old to be doing this? Yeah, multiple times. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. All the time. But yeah, I mean I But I as mean, long as they're showing up, huh? You know, what am I gonna do? You know, it's 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 helped me achieve and go for other dreams in the production world and acting and other things that I really want to do. It's really helped enable all of that stuff to happen even now, like the profile being up and doing it the way we're doing it. I think we've, we've opened ourselves up to like, wait a second, they were novelty, but now there's something deeper here that's happening and we're witnessing it and it's, it's helped and it's reverberated with like everything else that I'm doing. Do you ever think how long can we go? Like, do we want to be 50 doing this? Yeah. I, 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 we've talked about that and they know my thoughts. Okay. I have like, I'm a realist, right? So I'm like, there's no way we could be doing this. Like in like 10 years, come on guys. Like, like, I mean, it would have to be like a totally different. And you have, have you, I don't know if you've come to like our concert lately. No, not a lot of movement. Dude, it's all jump, movement. Y'all jumping around still, huh? Yes. I have to legit, I have to work out now because I won't hold up doing the show. The way it's patterned, the dancing, the jumping around, the running around, the energy, the up-tempo songs. Your body can't take it. Man, I had to go to the guys. I was like, guys, we need to add more ballads. <laughs> <laughs> we got to add more ballads. Like, we need to slow this shit down. Okay. What type of audience is coming in out? It's is crazy. it weird to see these girls when they were like 11, 12, and now yeah. they're like 32? Yeah. 40? 27. Like, I mean, okay. from 25 to 30 to 37. It's like we're like, they're coming in. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's it's crazy. They show us pictures, and they're like, I'm holding the girl up. I'm, she's like standing in front of me. <laughs> how that? 
How is that possible? Okay, you talk about other ventures you're doing, like yeah. what you're acting, you're producing. producing yeah. Is that what else are you trying to get into? Uh, I'm just I, I'm creating, so I'm, I'm producing and I'm writing um, scripted content. And, okay, and I've been going to networks and developing with networks for the last few months, and and nothing I can really talk about right now, but like it's on the horizon, and I'm really excited about it, and uh, it's you know I want to do. I want to do a little bit more on that side as in terms of pushing the social, the social needle. Um, I just want to, there's a lot going on in the world today, uh, a lot going on in the country that, that needs to sort of um, just be addressed. And I, I, I find like this medium is the perfect medium to like really take on these stories and take on these projects. Have you, have you ever gotten a fist fight with somebody in the group? Yeah. Who? Yeah, we got into it. A couple of us, a couple times. Wait, so when y'all fought, it would be multiple people fighting at one time? Or No, we it... never had a Royal Rumble. Okay. You know, that would be awesome. <laughs> Who would win? That would be awesome. We could have like NSYNC, Backstreet, and O-Town. Yeah. Degrees in a Royal Rumble. <gasps> Yo, WWE Who's style? the best fighter out of the group, you think? Well, Trevor is just like ridiculously ripped now. Like, it can't even like. Yeah, he's been going to these workout classes. I work out with him too, but I'm just like, I, I can't do that. Is it because of his diet? He's good at eating. He's just, he was, he's like a natural athlete. Though. Where do y'all work out at? Because he was telling me we about it. work out at Lift Society. Yeah. yeah so yeah. That's, that's for real. He's like, dude, you got to come to this Lift Society. Anything with the word lift in it, I, I tried not to go. Do you even lift, bro? Dude, what, what are you saying? <laughs> Look at that. Look at no, that. No, you like don't this. need to. You're what? good. You're good. Ah. You definitely do. No. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he, we, he's been doing it. He got me into it. It's been great. Like I said, I have to do it if I want to keep up, you know, in terms of like. What, what type of workout is that, though? Yeah, it's mixed. There's like a cardio core class. There's like, you know, late weightlifting. And there's also, uh, there's a, like a, a, a leg class. So, like, it works all different parts of the body all week. And you're sort of. Is it, is it kind of like 45 minutes you go in and they put you through a circuit? Yeah. Is that what it yeah, is? yeah. I mean, each each day is different, but yeah, essentially that. You know, you get the best workout, especially at, when you get older. You get the best workout in a short period of time. Oh yeah, very explosive workout, and you get it all in that time. It's like the most effective. So, like Trevor was a waiter when you got out of the spotlight. Yeah. yeah. What job did you ever have to take a job? You were yeah. like, which what was? I don't want to say worse because other people work these jobs, but the one where you had to really swallow your ego and go, "I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna work here." Which, which job was it? Um, so at the time, I was like trying to develop television shows still. I've always been in development. And I was developing a game show that I was going around pitching. And I had a, a pretty big meeting with like a pretty higher up person at the network. And I was it was in a couple of weeks. And I knew that I didn't know anything about running a game show. And I was going into pitch like a creator, like a developer. So I wanted to get some experience. At the time, I was like sort of just meandering around songwriting and stuff. I really wasn't making that much money. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was like, all right, let me, let me see if any of my friends can get me a job. And my friend was working on top chef. Uh, and I was, I, I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, can, can I get a job there with you? <laughs> and I want to like soak it in. And she's like, well, there's no like associate producer, like, you know, all those jobs, all those slots are full, you know, obviously like, cause they were like later in the season, there was only like two episodes left or so. She was like, well, I, I can get your job as a PA. Okay. And I was like... Production assistant. A production assistant. A runner, basically. The lowest on the totem. Yeah, go get this, go get that. Coffee guy. Yeah, you're the coffee guy. I was a coffee guy, yeah. I was like, okay, then I'll do, I'll do it. I, I grew up my mustache, I put on my glasses, I put my hat down low, I became Ponch. <laughs> Did people know who you were? No, no, they knew me as Ponch, because my name is Eric Estrada, like Ch the guy from Chips. Oh, yeah. So they called me Ponch, yeah. And that was I was Ponch, and that was like my... 
production guy like identity. So nobody knew you. Nobody were- knew except for her. And I, and she knew what I was doing. I didn't want like there to be like any sort of attention. I just wanted to go in, work, soak up what I could. And you know, to be honest with you, like I had done acting, I had done, I had been on set. I love being on set. Like that is really like at the core of who I am. That's what I love to do. I love being on set. I love the community of being on set. I love the cameraman. I love the grips. I love sound. I love f- crafty. Yeah. I, I just love being with everyone, you know? And, uh, I was the PA on the set and I, Fell in love with it. Did you meet any assholes? Like, um, you, you know didn't what? bring my coffee back, right, Ponch? No, no. I was actually ex- exceptional at the job. Oh, were you really? I was exempt. I was. I was. <laughs> I was fast tracked. Well, why you got moved up? Um, yeah, that I was. So I was on set for two for two episodes <laughs> as a PA. Uh huh. Okay. I got called to be the key set PA on this next. Because that's how the production world works, right? Like, you, you get a job and you meet people, and then, and then there's they another put job, up. and they're like, "I got this guy who's perfect for this because they're trying to fill this position, and you know, I'm available because they know that I'm on that set with them." So they're like, "All right, we have this job. We need a key set for this next, you know, for this next season that we're going to be doing. It's another cooking show on on the Cooking Network, and they needed a key set PA." Now, what's the difference between a key set and the PA you play? I have no idea. No, no, no. P- the PA, well, the, he's the head of, he's the lord of the PAs. <laughs> And, okay. and and basically you are like the voice to the PAs under the AD who's obviously under the director. So, but the PA is one that the AD goes to in order to like get things done on the grunt level. Got you. So got I, you. So if you would have stuck with it, you probably would have been running a TV show by now. Well, I was, I AD'd, I, well, I, I, I key set PA that season. Oh, so you did do the next thing. I key set PA, PA that season. Like I told you, I was falling in love with the job. I was falling in love with and like, still punch as punch. And here's what, here's where it gets. And here's, here's, here's what, what's different about it. And yeah. this is like what, what changed everything for me. I was appreciated for my work ethic. It wasn't like, you know, in the, in the business, like it's like so non-rewarding at times, you know, whereas I showed up to work, I did a good job and I was moved up and I continued to move up because of the job I did. And I just felt like this sense of accomplishment, which I hadn't done because the because L.A. was like beating me to shit. Yeah. You know, like every casting is a no casting is a no. And every like and then every every song is not good enough. This was the first time you actually felt movement. Like even though it's baby step, it's still movement. movement. It just shows you how much and to veer off a little bit. Yeah. People always ask me, how do you make it in Hollywood? Mm -hmm. I was like, you need to make realistic goals, because if you don't make if you just go, I'm be a superstar. You don't see movement in that. Like, I remember when I first moved here, I like, I want to be on camera. Like, got on camera. I want to be on two days a week. I made realistic things so you always like feel like you're moving forward. And I feel like that's what you're saying is like, you were rewarded for good work. And that doesn't happen here it, a lot. It wasn't happening. Yeah. And if, if it invigorated me. I love going to work in the morning. I just love being on set. I love being the first guy on set with coffee, unlocking shit and like making sure that everyone shows up on time. It was invigorating for me. And for me, so I was you an would artist call the people? for so long. Like I'm, I'm pre-designed to walk in late. Like I am, that's who I am. Not in this job. In this job, you have to be early. And I just... So you were the one calling talent saying you need to be here by... I was calling everyone. I was calling everyone. Because essentially on that next season that I was Kisa PA, the AD came up to me who, who, God rest his soul, he was an incredible mentor. He's not with us anymore, Marcus. And he picked me up out of Kisa PA and said, 
you are going to be an AD and you're probably going to be more than that, but you're going to be a part of my AD team. So I went from key set PA on that next season to an AD team that was doing a shit ton of work all over the city. And that's what I did for, you know, until basically I was a field coordinator on like a scripted show. And that's when the band got back together, but I was on my way to, to, you know, being, do you miss it? Yeah, I do. And there's no way to balance both because you're no. going to be gone. You can't, yeah. I can't commit. So now I'm like, well, I'm not going to go in at that level anymore. You know, I'm, I'm far past that now. <laughs> <laughs> no more punch. No more punch. So when you, you go back. You can call me punch, but. You like, got, but when you Mr. go back, punch. it's your Mr. Punch. <laughs> but that's awesome, man. Because I heard one thing that's great about that side of the business. Once you got a good name. Yeah. Always hired. Yeah. Like, because they need people. That's what you learn. You know, you show up on time, you do a good job, you do extra, you know, you, you care about what you're doing. You care about the people you're working with. Everyone's putting in a 12 hour shift. It's tiring. It's grueling. Everyone knows it, but you know, you're not digging a ditch somewhere. Okay. So like you're, you're there still doing something creative. You're still there, you know, living out a certain part of your dream. And a lot of these guys, like a lot of the guys in the back line, they're like, they're living out their dream. They're doing sound for like a major network television show. And they're, these are ACs and camera guys who are like working all over the place. And they're yeah. super skilled. I have so much respect for camera guys and AC guys. Oh my God. They're yeah. just, I just, I just, like I said, I'm, I'm a, I love the world. And, and, and that's sort of why like being, I wouldn't understand how to help this band do certain things, obviously with the help of Jacob and, and Dan and, and Trevor on the backside. But like, I wouldn't have a knowledge of what I know now in terms of like producing and getting stuff done. And if it wasn't for that, those quote unquote dark times, like those times okay. that I had to like, sort of like, you know, drop the ego and become something different. All right. Albums out once again, what's the name and where can people get it? The OTWN album. You can check it out on Spotify. You can check it out on uh, Apple iTunes. And how can people follow you? Follow us on at O town official, uh, on across all platforms at O town official and me. I am Eric Estrada. I am Eric Estrada. Um, I get tagged in Eric Estrada pictures all day long. <laughs> Who would take pictures with the original Eric Estrada. Right. <laughs> You're like, that's Because they me. think it's me. I think I actually have people who followed me and realized later on that they're, I'm not Eric You're Estrada. You're not Eric I Estrada. I got to unfollow. Because they probably following Ponch, so, the original Ponch. So Trevor's coming in next week. What's okay. a great question I could ask Trevor? You know him. Do you even lift, bro? Just kind of insult the way he looks. Then it won't stop. Then it won't stop. He'll let you know what he lifted. He'll let you know what workouts he did. He'll let you know how it made him feel. He'll let you know what oh, song was on when he was like doing going through. Oh, the he's rest. that dude now. And he's into it. I love it. I All love right. it. I really feel like he's found a piece of like himself, like in it. You know, like it's like a, another it's part of him. It's a part of him now. It's a part of his makeup. And and I and I love like getting older. It's about like finding out, identifying who you are, what makes you who you are, and like your uniqueness. And I, he's definitely found his. Dan is definitely like daddy daycare like he's daddy daycare all day he's like such a good dad how many kids does he have he has two kids okay like he's, he's raising a soccer star and a superstar love it um and uh and jacob just had a baby who is the prettiest baby i've ever seen and uh oh, you haven't seen mine but whatever we'll no, talk about that later yeah. no no i have yours yours is beautiful yeah yeah i yeah, know but no, mine's better no 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 i'm just uh, i'm sorry uh, jacob well when i have mine it's gonna trump everybody so well that's left to be seen yeah, I know. that's I left to be seen and last question before you get out whatever happened to ashley Whatever happened to Ashley? I, you know, what has happened to Ashley? I don't know. We don't talk. We don't, no, don't talk. None of the group talks to him. No, no. I think Trevor has talked to him like once in the last like couple years. Okay. You know? Um, he's on his own trajectory. He's doing his own thing. You know, we're we're so busy. You know? Okay. And we're so like we're we're different. To be honest, like now the guys in the group, we're different friends than we were back then. Closer. Oh yeah. Okay. Like we're 
we're family, like real family. You know, we care about each other. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. Like how the, like the bond between four strangers, you know, yeah. it's like four guys from four different parts of the country. And now all of a sudden still like 20 years later, found a way to galvanize and like be a family. It's like a special thing. If anything, I'm, I'm proud of that success more than anything else that we do. It's like the fact that we've been able to traverse, you know, time and obstacles and time apart to kind of come back together and be friends and, and do something together. You know, like that's, it's tough to do. Eric, thank you for stopping by, bro. Thank you for having me, bro. Oh, yeah.